Hello and welcome to From No Crypto to No Crypto. This is Blockchain Wayne with another cryptocurrency podcast. Today's episode is brought to us by Coincierge Club, mobile private key wallet, and point of sale solution, helping to make crypto safe, easy, and overall process more efficient while costing less, helping to take cryptocurrency and blockchain mainstream. All right, today we have a, another podcast interview. Today we're joined by Mr. Calvin Tran. Now, Calvin is the executive producer and director of a series called Risky Presents Blockchain. Now, ironically, when, you know, when, we connected, when I connected with these guys and we talked about doing a podcast, I was already into episode three, always looking for more information, found them on Amazon Prime, and you know, it, it was, it was, I really liked the information and, and really started studying a lot of the projects they were talking about on their program. So, uh, Calvin, thanks for joining us today. I appreciate you uh, hopping in, taking time for an interview. Of course. Thanks, Wayne. I'm glad that we caught you in the middle of the show too. <laughs> That's exciting. Yeah, cool. Yeah, it was. It was actually I screenshotted it when you guys sent it to me. I was on episode three, uh, finished it since then. So looking forward to more. But uh, let's start with you, Calvin. So tell me a little bit. I always like to, you know, my my focus on this podcast is always about education. The only way we're going to get to where we need to go in this space is education, and. So I look for those projects that really talk, you know, really on education. So absolutely, absolutely. Guys reached out to me. I was like, absolutely, we need to talk. We need to collaborate. Do whatever we got to do. I'm always looking to do that. But so tell me about your background. How did you get into the blockchain and cryptocurrency space? And and you know, what have you done? Yeah. Um, so I first got in back in like 2013. I was back in high school. Um, I was just coming out of that whole, you know, Ron Paul 2012 kind of like, uh, you know, energy. There's a whole like libertarian movement that I was uh, lumped into. And uh, I guess I was more active in it than I <laughs> come off. And, uh, you know, Bitcoin was a big part of this uh, and the Fed uh, early conservative Tea Party feeling of that of that whole thing. And so I, I was kind of in, in, intrigued. I wanted to learn more. Um, someone that I had connected with on Facebook actually sent me a 10th of a Bitcoin at the time, 10 bucks worth at that time. And, uh, you know, I was just kind of like, Oh, that was cool. I, I can hold, I can have this value on my phone. And, uh, then I, I did spend some on a uh, Bitcoin pizza day. Um, and, uh, you know, I was just really intrigued by that whole world and, you know, the, through a lot of different things. I, I, I won a video contest uh, with the organization Foundation for Economic Education. Um, they sent me part of the prize money in Bitcoin because they asked for it. And, uh, and then at some point, I actually joined with a small uh, publication team, I guess, CryptoCoins News. I think they're rebranded as just CCN now. Mm -hmm. um, but I was there for about a year from like May 2014 to 2015. And, uh, you know, I was just reading into the whole space. Uh, that was an exciting time for the whole industry. I mean, we were just coming out of Mount Gox. Um, we were coming out of, you know, Charlie Shrem, uh, Ross Ulbricht, all these different things that were going on. I actually, but uh, in the middle of that time in August, I moved to New York to start school. And uh, that was during the Ross Ulbricht trials. So I actually covered that a little bit. Um, so like being a part of that whole space then was exciting in its own right. Um, but then I kind of had to step out of that space because of college. But, uh, when I came back in my senior year, just kind of like dipping right back into it, uh, the whole world looked entirely different. I mean, like, yeah, <laughs> I mean the ethers, uh, ICO was, um, was in the spring of 2015. So I was, 
you know, I left right as this whole revolution of, you know, tech startups and ERC 20 tokens were just about to launch. So when I came back, I had to basically reteach myself all this kind of stuff. I mean, I was really excited to just like grasp the whole industry again. Um, and I had done a documentary series back in uh, 2015. It was called uh, People in Bitcoin. I was basically working with the Bitcoin Center in New York uh, to you know cover their events, but also use that to my advantage for getting closer and interviewing people in that space. So you know, I talked with um, people like Avericoin and and uh, to Ferro and all these kind of people, even Jose Palieri, and. Um, and so I was just putting together that, and that, that was a cool early day like profile of the space. But then getting back into it, I was like, "Wow, this is this is totally different in terms of it's not just cryptocurrency. It's it's utilizing blockchain technology on a bigger level than I, I had ever imagined." And then uh, each episode, what we wanted to do was look into how entrepreneurs and and like really serious thought leaders are taking the mantle and creating solutions. I mean, it's, it's one thing like, you know, politicians creating solutions. It's another thing when like individuals are putting their time, money, reputations on the line to create something very new, very radical and uh, something that would shift entire industries. Um, so we came back into it. Uh, wrote, I wrote up the treatment. I produced the pilot as my senior thesis documentary and, uh, and, uh, and then just from there, we were able to shop it around, got it to Coindesk um, through a producer that was working there at the time. And uh, they loved the idea. They funded half the project and we raised the rest and then produced the, the first season on a, on a fairly low budget. But regardless, we were able to deliver on something. And, and we're, you know, we're, we're very tech startup minded ourselves. Our, in fact, all of our producers are either founders or involved very closely with the tech space. So, you know, we wanted to approach this as kind of like an MVP, a minimally viable product and uh, see what can work from here and, and, and really learn with, uh, with what the market gives us. So we are just coming out of our first month of being released. We released last month in, in April 1st. And uh, we are, you know, we're, we're getting the data together from all of our social and getting the data from Amazon itself. And we're piecing together like, wow, the, can, we can really see what the next season looks like. So that, that's, that's the, the, I guess, the, the defined version of my story there. <laughs> Nice, nice. Yeah, it was it was very uh very intriguing, you know, the information I, I learned from it being being in a space, you know, I didn't get involved as early as you, but a few years ago just kind of started to understand it and get in and I was intrigued. And you know, it's funny, you don't I was like you, I didn't really have any urge to like investigate in, into what this really was until I was actually holding some in a while. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I should probably find out what this is. So that's that's one thing I talk about with a lot of people. Hey, if you've got, send somebody, you know, a, a fraction of something in a while, have them download a wallet and send them something just so it'll just have them looking into it more. I mean, it poses a lot of questions, doesn't it? Like, um, yeah. you know, I remember when I first bought pizza with it, it was like, this, this barely makes any sense in my mind and yet it worked. Um, you know, somehow some payment processor was able to take Bitcoin and they're going to expect that they can get like tax dollar taxable money out of that so they can pay their taxes. And all I've did, all I've done was <laughs> download a phone wallet. <laughs> that was it. Like, I don't, I, it's very crazy. And it does change the perspective entirely. Uh, I, yeah, you're definitely right on that. I, maybe, maybe we should do that. 
maybe set up some more wallets. <laughs> yeah. 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 Just get out there, get people to start downloading wallets. I, uh, I ran a little uh, project at, at, at work. I have uh, quite a few employees and we have like a little incentive program. And it used to be, we joked around one day, we started printing paper bills just as a joke because it's worth, we joked about, you know, it's not worth any more than the dollars in your pocket. Yeah. <laughs> I wish they could exchange for snacks or different things just, mm. just to make it fun. And uh, I eventually migrated over and I had everybody download the Waves wallet and created a Waves token. So now instead of exchanging paper bills, we're, we're exchanging crypto back and forth. Oh, that's awesome, actually. That's got a utility. Awesome. It doesn't have any real world value, but it's got utility. <laughs> Well, there are a lot of uh, really great, uh, like, you know, internal programs like that. There, there was an early, early social media platform called Bitlanders. I don't know if you heard of that one, but um, basically they would, they as a platform, you know, they got ad revenue from companies and they would share that with the users through a reward system that originally was actually based on Bitcoin. Now they've turned it into just a token. But um, back then, because a lot of their users were, um, women in the Middle East and um, other like, you know, just like a, a one, it's in places that didn't have the same kind of cultural infrastructure that we do in terms of like the technology of like social media and whatnot. So it was a very early social media platform for them. And then two was for women who were generally disenfranchised in these different parts of the world. And so one thing that they could do to get money to them because they're trying to, they wanted to base this on sharing revenue was Bitcoin. You know, they couldn't, they couldn't more easily get money to people otherwise. Um, so it was a really interesting reward program back in the day. I wonder what they're up to these days, actually. Nice. Yeah. I'm going to write that down. I hadn't heard of them. Uh, I've been testing a lot of the different uh, social media platforms over the years, you know, just, uh, you know, Steam it, of course, I'm sure you're familiar with Steam it and uh, D2, BitTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a bunch of different ones. I actually promote this podcast on, I don't know if you ever heard of dsound.audio. No, no. Dsound.audio is the website. It's built on the Steam it platform, Steam mm-hmm. platform, but it's uh, just a decentralized audio platform for, you know, content creators, whether it's podcasts like I do, uh, or like a lot of people sell their music on there. Nice. There's also um, Blockstack has their yeah. podcast thing too. And there's also DLive. It's a new live streaming yeah. service. I mean, it's an incredible space. It's an incredible yeah. space. Yeah, I'll tell you. Um, so I want to talk about that. So Blockstack, I went down that rabbit hole after seeing that episode. And I was like, Blockstack, Blockstack I hadn't heard of them. Mm-hmm. Wanted to really see what that project was. I mean, what can you tell me about that project? Because I know I was intrigued with it. It's. I mean, they're basically trying to decentralize the internet because the internet, we think of it as decentralized in, in some sense, and that's true, but we do go through, um, structurally, infrastructure-wise, we go through central points of failure. Um, we go through a domain name service that technically, like, while they they do place the identity, the server identities on different computers, technically speaking, you still have to go through it. And if it were to be compromised, you know, then the whole internet would be compromised in in a major sense. And on top of that, they are secured by, or they're certified by a certificate of authority. They're some kind of, you know, like ICANN or something like that, where they say like, oh yes, this is the correct uh, server identity. That too is a central authority. And so there's a big incentive for hackers to try and, you know, defeat ICANN or all those other CAs. Um, so both of those provide 
two serious points where in the infrastructure of our internet, we go through these choke points that are dangerous to us. Um, I mean, every day we, we see things like, you know, Facebook has so many million users identity hacked or just yeah. misplaced. I mean, like it's down to like the failure of some employees. And then of course we had, um, you know, people's credit scores and whatnot, um, hacked and, and then target loses your credit card data. And, you know, every, every kind of central point of failure in that sense, where even though we have a decentralized economy, there are still these kind of, um, uh, they're holding a lot of data on central servers. So Blockstack looked at that and, and they released a white paper that was so intriguing to me. And I, I met those guys back in like 2016 um, and their project has changed in some ways, but in the, in the same like white paper sense, they are based on the idea of placing one, the server identity is going to be tied to the Bitcoin blockchain so that it's not tamperable. Okay. Um, Nice. Uh, you, the only way that you'd tamper it is if you had the private keys to tamper it. And so that means it's, it's secured by individuals themselves. Um, two, that allows you to point computers that try to get to your server, your data, your photos that you want to show them. It, you can use the blockchain to point them to the server that you want to point to, not just mm -hmm. all everyone's going to go to some Palo Alto, Silicon Valley server. Uh, people can go to the server that you actually put up onto the uh, internet. So that way you can maintain your data. You can maintain every bit about your data. Um, and then it's secured by the blockchain so people can still find you. It's an incredible idea because suddenly the, the whole cloud computing era of you know, going to these giant central tech companies becomes a lot more optional. Um, there are still a lot of reasons why you'd go to them, you know, user experience. Um, they invest a lot of money into user experience. So that's like, you know, like you as an individual might not be putting up millions of dollars to do that. Um, there are other reasons, but ultimately it makes their situation a lot more optional so that you can provide different uses for the internet. Um, and ultimately it just means that we can exit the we can like choose to actually exit Facebook when they go too far if you don't like yeah. what they're doing and you know blocking this and that or you know feeling manipulated by their algorithms um, or all those kind of things this is a totally different venture that they're hoping to build like the next wave of the internet and I I, I believe in that kind of project at the very least um, I know Tim Berners-Lee is doing his own kind of thing you know Tim Berners-Lee is like one of the founders of the internet and he's doing his own kind of decentralized internet program as well um, but we're going to see what happens. And I think this kind of blockchain based system is the future regardless. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, yeah, I got a chance to test out some of Blockstack stuff. I hadn't, uh, hadn't done anything with their podcasting yet, but the, uh, I did upload some photos, you know, mm -hmm. create an account, upload some photos just to see how that whole thing works. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's quite incredible. Uh, travel stacks, fun one. I'm hoping that we can use them more. One thing that I actually think would be helpful for them, honestly, is if they were to, uh, really build a strong like meme community because, you know, sharing travel photos, that's one thing. And then yeah. the thing is you're competing against Instagram, like on a very direct level. Yeah. Um, but if you set up like a real serious meme platform that is decentralized, um, then you're really taking a niche because Facebook doesn't like really support memes. Um, yeah. Only like Reddit would be the one that algorithmically is okay with it. Um, Instagram tries to force you to see more personal photos and whatnot. Yeah. So it's like, there, there's a big space there. If the Blockset guys are hearing me, they should really take my advice. <laughs> if not, we'll build out meme chain or something, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
I love that. Let's start that now. Let's start the yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, memes go viral. Look, everybody at work knows I'm the, I'm the guy that, you know, I'll send out memes or, or <laughs> there's not a meme for it, I'll make it. So I, I agree. I, I share that more than travel photos or pictures. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I consume that more than anything yeah, else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So definitely a need. All right. We just identified another need. All right. <laughs> Product market fit. We're there. Yeah. <laughs> Nice, nice. So what, um, obviously we were talking prior to hopping on to the podcast and I know you guys want to, you know, filming this on a super low budget. Uh, wh what other challenges did you encounter with trying, you know, trying to get this, this project completed and then get it out there? Well, I mean, first off, you know, we're producing this as a, uh, as a team of people who don't have a big name in the space necessarily. Um, so, you know, gaining the right, uh, getting the capital to produce this was really a large part due to CoinDesk lending their brand to us and letting us work with them. Um, and then, you know, now that we have season one conquered, we can now show the data that we have, all the all the analytics that we were able to put together um, to produce a, uh, a reasonable expectation for season two. And we're raising the funds for, you know, some more sponsors and, and more community support. Um, those are real challenges, honestly. It's more financial because once you get the financials, like the reason you raise money is so that you can throw money at problems, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> uh, problems are a lot easier when you have money, I suppose. Uh, so that, that's our real challenge. The next challenge is, yeah, we, we have to um, improve our technology just because, you know, the first season um, we were just running and gunning, putting together interviews. Um, you know, we didn't really set up tripods because it was just another it was such a hassle, even even that, like oddly enough. So we, we were just kind of uh, closing in on, you know, just trying to get these uh, shots in. And so, you know, like we go to the park in in, season, in episode four, talking with Santiago Siri, and you know, the floor, the ground is all muddy, and we're just kind of like standing there, you know, trying to keep stable and you know get a good view. All those kind of things are something that we we're going to definitely tackle in season two and then also um we are going to have to do some more voiceover work we want to make this feel a bit more you know anthony bordaini um uh eddie huang uh, eric repair uh, you know not not too much of a travel show but they put together a really great narrative by voiceovers and yeah. more understanding of the location and, and feeling like you're there this one you know season one is a lot more interview based and they get through a lot of content. Like we get a lot of concepts conquered in under 110 minutes. Yeah. Um, but we want to make that 110 minutes just simply more enjoyable. So, yeah. you know, making that better next time, having better, better everything is really the, the, the general challenge. Yeah, I guess it's a balance, you know, people that could, you know, may criticize it because it's uh, kind of filmed on the go and kind of, uh, like you said, never set up tripods or anything. But there's a level of, realness to it like you know authenticity i guess you could say yeah. um, where it's you know, like when we're going through new york city streets you know like you know we're not going to be sending up tripods yeah. we're just walking yeah it's um, not scripted there's no there's nothing pre you know proof i'm sure you had some questions but other than that it's just kind of it's more authentic to and that's yeah. kind of what i got from it that's how i really liked it compared to another one i mentioned that i watched that just seemed like it was just uh you know, production and scripted and, and didn't really cover the things that you'd want to see. That, that was the real purpose of making the, like on the background of everything was um, I worked at, you know, crypto coins and news. And then I did a little bit at the Bitcoinist. Um, I wrote some movie reviews back then because back then, you know, there was the rise and rise of Bitcoin uh, life on Bitcoin 
uh, ulterior states, uh, and just so many of these documentaries back in 2014, 2015 that were coming out, a lot of which I was just dissatisfied with because not only did they not explain the blockchain, I mean, they, they would like throw together a three minute like animation where, you know, they're, they're gonna, <laughs> they're gonna use all these hot buzzwords and like a cool graphic that didn't really explain anything. Uh, but like they, they didn't really explain any of the real concepts. And then they just kept going into these uh, interviews with fraudsters and guy who went to jail. Number one guy who went to jail. Number two and uh, guy who uh, just looks a little weird on camera, <laughs> you know, like all these different things are like, I don't actually know if I trust any of this because it's so renegade. Um, so we wanted to make sure that we one explain the concepts um, on, on a basic level that like on a conversational level, um, if I were to explain this to my mom or something like that, I'd want to have something that I could pull out. I don't want to have to go through this technical computer jargon. Yeah. Um, so that was like, that was like number one. Um, and, and I think we did that. We absolutely were able to get through it. Um, six episodes, uh, like a bunch of concepts. I think the first episode I'm most proud of, honestly, with uh, explaining the blockchain and mining in one episode. <laughs> I'm very yeah. proud of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a, Definitely a challenge when you're talking to people, and I always joke with people. I've, I've heard a mentor say this years ago: if you uh, if you can't explain it to a five year old, you don't really understand it. So. Absolutely, maybe maybe the whole blockchain community should have had that back then. Yeah. <laughs> How do you explain blockchain to a five year old? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's one of my projects right now. I've got a couple of children's books that are going to be coming out soon. Oh wow! Yeah, hey. yeah. kind of to explain that and show the need. Uh, the first, the first one I wrote, I showed it to my wife and she was like, that's still not too, cause I was talking about the fed and banks and she's like, ah, you might want to take a different route so <laughs> back to the drawing board and, and pumped out a couple more, you know? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, let's, let's look at, so you, you mentioned there's future episodes coming next season coming up. Mm. Are there any particular projects without giving away too much, any, any kind of different, well, we're going to be things you want to focus on. Yeah, we're going to be talking about um, more of the, you know, now that we've explained these basic concepts in the industry, um, now we're going to start diving deeper in the sense that, like, if you were in junior high, uh, you get one lesson from American history, and then in high school they teach you a bit more complicated understanding of that, you know, story. You know, maybe it wasn't so clean cut, um, and so we are kind of doing the same thing. We are diving a little bit deeper where we're looking at the actual conflicts within the industry. That way it's not just, you know, like there is that conflict between uh, small blocks and big blocks, Bitcoin core, Bitcoin cash. Yeah. That's a big, you know, that's a difference of understanding of like what Bitcoin is. And so looking at that as a conflict and not something that is settled is one way of uh, explaining the complexity of our industry. Um, that's that. So focusing on conflicts is one big ang angle. Uh, we are, however, you know, just sourcing the community for more stories. Honestly, we have our basic treatment set up right now, but you know, we're looking for one, I mean, sponsors and partners that want to be a part of this, um, two, uh, entrepreneurs and stories that are leading different parts that maybe we aren't fully looking at yet. Um, so we're, 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 we're sourcing the community. So if anyone actually has any ideas, I, we would love to hear it. Um, but on top of that, you know, there's also describing more of the, uh, describing more of like how mining works in the sense, like what is proof of stake, proof of work is another yeah. one. 
all these kind of things. But yeah, basically coming down to the complexity of the industry now. And that, that's the real fun of it. Because now we get to look at arguments and, and conflict and all these kind of fun things. Yeah, that's good. I mean, there's so many projects out there. People don't know where to go. Proof of stake, proof of work, pre-mind, mm. bind. I mean, there, there's there long blocks, small blocks. There's, there's trade-offs no matter which way you go. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. That. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, the difference of security. I mean, SegWit is, you know, how do you explain SegWit? You know, well, now you gotta, now you gotta like start talking about that and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So awesome. I'm definitely looking forward to those episodes. So tell me, uh, where can people find you? Uh, first of all, you know, I mentioned one, but where, where can they find your series right now? So if you're in the U S uh, we are on Amazon prime. Uh, so we, you know, if you have prime, you can stream us or if you don't, you can buy the series. Um, uh, however, if you are outside the U.S. or or planning to buy the series instead, uh, I'd much more suggest Vimeo. Um, Vimeo is one our international platform for distribution, um, and two, uh, we have a we have a deal with our Amazon distributor that um, I'd rather just go through Vimeo, honestly, <laughs> yeah. um, for for distributing on on rentals and purchases. So please find us on Amazon Prime if you're on US. Also, it looks great to be on your TV screen streaming like that. Yeah. Um, but if you're not there, then definitely jump us on uh, on Vimeo on demand, Risky Presents Blockchain, and uh, find us there. Nice, nice. Oh, also the first episode's free on YouTube. I should mention that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we nice. put the episode free on YouTube. You can look it up, you know, Risky Presents Blockchain. Um, it's under CoinSpice. Uh, those guys are exciting. They're doing some some really fun media stuff nowadays. And uh, we're very glad to have them as our, just like a good way to get people in if they haven't, if they, one, don't have a subscription or whatnot and just want to dip their toes into our show. Nice, nice. All right. So YouTube, that's good to know. Because uh, I talked to a few people there, like, I don't have Amazon Prime. Like, we just buy it. It's worth the, it's worth a few dollars for education. You know, it's it's uh, absolutely. Yeah. And the big goal here is um, this. I feel like this show is more like uh, this is for you to share to your uncle who is uh, thinking about tech. You know, I have I I have a uh, um, this is my girlfriend's uncle has uh, been really excited in t- about the blockchain industry, but he knows very little about it. <laughs> like he done, he sunk some money into some mining equipment during the t- Q4 2017 oh, bubble. And uh, yeah, yeah. The big, the big rise. And uh, <laughs> it was like, that's maybe not the best time to get in. That, then he's into this slight crypto winner. Um, you know, so like, you know, getting it in for people who are really excited about it, but maybe don't fully understand the industry yet. Um, that's the real goal. That's the yeah. real goal. So that, that's what I'd hope uh, your viewers <laughs> might be inspired to do. Nice, nice. Yeah, I'll be I'll be sharing this with, uh, I teach a crypto class, crypto and blockchain class in a personal development program. So mm, mm. Um, that whole class, you know, they're always wanting to learn more. Oh, absolutely. Uh, then we started that class in January for them. So I, I always encourage people to don't just learn, do. So getting them to download wallets, mm-hmm. uh, explore some cryptocurrencies and purchase, you know, just, just get some, just, I don't care if it's a few dollars worth and they're all mm-hmm. pretty happy with what they've done so far, as you can imagine, uh, 2019 is much better than, than 2018. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember when we all had a, you know, we were so high on our horses in Thanksgiving, 2017, and then we show up at Thanksgiving, 20, 2018, with <laughs> our tails, tails behind our legs. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and that's really why I spent most of last year just, uh, you know, 
investigating, studying projects and going to conventions just to get a feel like I knew it wasn't dead. I, you know, even though price was going down, it was really just a correction. Now that we look back mm. and really saw all the tech that went in last year, all the infrastructure. Oh, absolutely. That, you know, it's got a yeah. bright, it's got a bright future. Uh, regardless of what's happened. But yeah, there's a lot of people too that got involved on that bubble just on, you know, with no information. And now they're sitting upside down from an investment standpoint. So I like to continually share educational information to say, this is not bad. Mm. I always point back to when Amazon stock, you know, I know it's a, it's a different investment vehicle. If you're looking at it from investment, I, I kind of look at more as like when I'm ready to cash in my, my crypto, I won't need to, I'll be able to spend it you know, wherever is needed. So, yeah. But, yeah. I like it. It's like a liquid investment in a weird way. <laughs> yeah. But so many people compare it to us dollar value. I'm like, all right, you look at Amazon in the early two thousands when they went from $110 down to below 10, like I think it went to seven bucks and it was really because the dot com space was hyped and wasn't as evolved as it should have been. Mm-hmm. But the true mm-hmm. projects evolved and emerged to what we have today. And it's Absolutely. no different than that. And, in what November 2017 December 2017 there were projects that were worth millions that really didn't even have any working products yet so yeah they yeah. were it was hype it was spec and they were overvalued and the correction has washed out you know some of that and we're gonna see the the real tech start to emerge yeah yeah absolutely absolutely that that's the that's the fun of the industry where um, the excitement comes from the price and yet there's so much more value beyond that where you know, you, you're really having a lot of industrial people, entrepreneurs who are back, backing the space. Um, and, and one thing that I think about, and that was in our episode three, um, Ken Nguyen actually compares, you know, investment prices of crypto tokens or whatnot to uh, our traditional finance markets like stocks and whatnot. And he says that they're not actually all that different in the sense that like, you know, it's not like even though we have a lot of great regulation in general for our securities and our, uh, and our, you know, our uh, stock markets and whatnot, um, there really isn't the same. I mean, there, there really isn't that much more transparency in that market than there is in the crypto market in the sense that like, you know, Tim Cook has his uh, understanding of uh, the, the Apple sphere. And then so many spheres away from that is us, the normal people. And it's not like that we have all this great knowledge directly from Apple about what's going on there. There is that level of opaqueness. And so we shouldn't hold the traditional finance markets in that much higher of a regard. They are reflective of the same mechanisms that we have in the blockchain space as well. In fact, I think it, I think it's quite amazing how fast the corrections in the blockchain space are compared to like, you know, the traditional markets where they can bubbles can go on for a lot longer. You know, we have we have bubbles that last three months, so they have bubbles that last years, you know. Yeah. Kind of yeah. <laughs> yeah, they can prop it up for longer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they can. They have a lot better of uh, marketing their fraud out or something like that if they needed to. That kind of that kind of scary stuff. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, one last thing, Calvin. Before we go, where can people connect with you outside of that? Where can they connect uh, with your project on social media? Is there anything like that? For that? Yeah. So if you're on Facebook, you can find both our projects and our production company. Um, so our project Risky Presents Blockchain, you can find that on Facebook. And then our production company is Nodehouse. Um, it's N-O-D-E-H-A-U-S. 
H-A-U-S is referring to the Bauhaus art movement. It's a little German. Also, it makes the logo look pretty balanced. <laughs> so, Nodehouse. Um, then they can find us on Twitter. Uh, they can find me on Twitter, uh, Calvin. It's Calvin the Bold without any vowels or spaces. <laughs> I made that a long time ago. Maybe I should change it. Um, but it's Tran Calvin. You'll find me there. And then, of course, our producers, uh, our biggest producer on Twitter is Peter Ryan. Uh, he was a former analyst at Coindesk, so you can find him there. Big part of the community out there. Um, and then uh, just find us on Instagram as well, although the Instagram crypto community is different. So we don't post too much on the crypto community. But, um, you know, find us there and keep up with us on for season two. Because season two is going to be a lot bigger if you know, think about this as a tech startup, you know, we got through our MVPs, we pivoted, created a series, now we're pivoting again and growing and scaling. And it's been much more exciting just being on the production end for season two already. So keep us All in right. touch. Nice. Looking forward to it, Calvin. Well, again, I want to thank you for, uh, for hopping on, giving us the time today to, to share your project. Definitely encourage everybody to check it out. Amazon Prime, Vimeo. Uh, risk he presents blockchain phenomenal project looking forward to uh, to it and like you said share it with those people that don't understand your moms your dads your aunts uncles grandparents whatever the case may be absolutely um, absolutely this is a great Christmas gift so we're hoping around Christmas time you'll be able to package seasons one and two into a little DVD you know wrap that thing up and give it to people <laughs> get, get them out into uh, either online or get them into I know Best Buy has those movie shippers during the holidays where mm. they, they just put them out <laughs> You know, I'd love to get anything. If anyone has any distribution deals out there, let me know. <laughs> stocking stuffers. All right. All right. Well, Calvin, thanks again for joining us. And everybody, I want to thank you all for listening in. And we will catch you on the next episode.